is my podcast about? A podcast where we try to figure out on a bi-weekly basis. Fortnightly. Bi-weekly. Once every two weeks, we try to figure out what we're talking about. If only there was a word that described two weeks. Yeah. I gotta know a fortnight. Anyway, as always, I'm going to be your host today, Matthew, and I'm joined by Peter. Hello! And Keith. Hey. Hey, so, uh, before we get into what we were talking about, uh, did you have anything interesting you wanted to bring to the table? Oh, uh, there was definitely a few interesting things that came out. Uh, first off, we got the trailer for Fast 9, which I'm looking forward to the release oh. of that movie. I love that series so much. It's so bad in such a good way. And this movie looks to pose the question, what if family was the enemy? Yeah, what if your family was your enemy, but also your family was your family? You haven't watched all of the Fast series, have you? Sorry, the Fast Um, Saga, as they're now referring to themselves. That is correct in saying I haven't watched any of it. Okay. You you know what the fun little statement is? There's exactly as many fast movies as there are Star Star Wars Wars movies movies now. Yeah, it's spectacular. Uh, And the trailer is insane, of course, because the series always ramping them up. We get the rocket car, so we're getting closer to Fast in Space. Yeah. Um, Han's alive for some reason, so I look forward to see how they explain that. Han Solo? (laughs) Kind of. His name is Han Solo. Essentially, yeah. Huh. He's from uh, Fast and Furious 3, which was actually the sixth one chronologically. Yeah, it's... I believe after six, but before seven, or is it before after seven, before eight? I think it's after six, before seven. Yeah, it's because the last one he's in is the one with the insanely long airplane runway. Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, and I have a lot uh, to look forward to. Apparently, the other thing that I enjoy from this trailer is some a scene that uh, the internet has lovingly dubbed Carzan. Where Vin oh, Diesel wait. Tarzan's a oh, car no. yeah, on he, a rope bridge. He hooks his front right tire to a vine and just rides it across a chasm between two islands. Oh my god. So that's something to look forward to. Yep. Uh, the other one is, I don't think this is true, but this is just the internet doing some really interesting thought experiments. It's involving the Black Widow movie. So in one of the recent trailers, there's something, a scene of her holding something that looks like it's red and glowing. And some people have speculated that's Pym Particles, and they think time travel is going to be in the Black Widow movie, and it's going to take place both before and during Endgame. Ooh! So, again, I, I don't believe this theory is going to be correct, but the idea is that when she falls off the, well, jumps off the cliff there in Endgame before death, everyone has two Pym Particle uh, for making their forward and back trip, and she still has hers when she goes off the cliff. So before she dies, she comes up with the idea that I'm going to go back and essentially erase the red from my ledger, as she's always saying, by going back and preventing certain things she did. So, in this theory, she jumps back. We know that there's pin particles still in the past. In fact, when they go to, well, Captain and uh, Iron Man go to get the pin particles to make their second jump, they leave specifically seven vials behind. Yep. So the idea is that she's traveling through time, trying to prevent her things, and the bulk of the story is going to take place around an event that involves the Taskmaster, where... Specifically, all of the other Black Widows were actually killed off, and that's why we don't see any other ones in the modern time. And she's going back to save her sister and prevent, essentially, the extermination of all the Black Widows, which is one of her biggest regrets. And the twist that all people are saying it's going to be is that the Taskmaster is actually Black Widow disguised and sent by the Red Room to kill off the rest of the Widows. Ooh. So that's the big twist, because they haven't really announced who's playing Taskmaster in this one. And the speculation is it's going to be a female. Now, of course... Some people are pointing to this as saying, well, maybe it will be her because they move the exact same way in the trailer. It's like, that's kind of Taskmaster's thing, though. Yeah. 
Testmaster's whole thing is that he copies any combat he sees and he can perfectly emulate other people's fighting techniques. And he even does the, uh, catches the Captain America shield thing in yeah. the scene, uh, which if he's going exactly from the elevator scene when the all the shield information was leaked, that would place it directly, that scene specifically after Winter Soldier. Yes. Thoughts, Matt? Um, just utter confusion right now. Because I'm going to have to... Uh, how familiar are you with Taskmaster? Taskmaster. Uh, I know his name. Her name. Its name. Predominantly in the storyline, it's a guy who, his abilities kind of, he's just able to mimic other people's abilities okay. and mindsets. So the longer he fights you, the more he becomes you, in a sense, combat-wise. And the harder it gets to defeat him because he knows all of your secret tricks and moves. Okay. And he doesn't do it to Deadpool for reasons. We'll just not worry about why he doesn't do it to Deadpool. Probably go crazy if he did that. Pretty much. Yeah. So, shall we, uh... I announce what that whole very cryptic clue about tossing coins was all about last episode. Which We're actually talking about pajinko machines. Which clue is that again? Oh my god. <laughs> Fucking Matthew. <laughs> Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now I'm going to have a heyday with this pun. No, you're not. You're fired from the podcast, Matt. We'll find another Matt. Well, in case you haven't guessed it right now, by now, we are talking about The Witcher. Specifically, the series released on Netflix. Yeah, so The Witcher is tied, the name is tied to a video game series, the Netflix series, and the book series. We're mostly going to talk about the Netflix series, but we might touch on some of the other two very briefly towards the end. Yeah, especially where this one seems to focus primarily on uh, the first two books, quote-unquote, that involve a lot of short stories before yes. they get to the bulk of what The Witcher book story yeah, is. Yeah, it's... Not so much focused on that later narrative. Yeah, and as I was told before I started actually watching the series, to expect a lot of, or some confusion, because they do a lot of time skips. In a sense, uh, but when we start talking about the story, we'll go into that, because that, that that's something they actually did really interesting with the storyline. Anyway, so how, how do we want to tackle this beast? I say we go through episode by, well, not quite episode by episode, but I say we go through linearly through the story and just kind of talk about all the different implications and effects of the story. Yeah. Well... To say starting off linear is a bit of a misdirect in that sense because... It is not a linear story. The story starts off and we're actually following kind of three different timelines that yes. slowly converge as the story goes on. Yeah, we're following Geralt's story, we're following Yennefer's story, and we're following Ciri's story. Uh, so, uh, essentially we open up with Ciri's story uh, where the kingdom is about to be attacked by uh, Nilfgaard. Yes. Well, the first opening scene is actually Geralt. Oh. fighting big spider monster yeah. in the swamp. Just to kind of show us what the Witcher is. Yeah. Yes. Then it cuts away from that and starts talking about Ciri and how they believe Nilfgaard's going to attack, but they don't think they're going to attack anytime immediately soon, and they just have to prepare their armies for yeah. the inevitable and attack. And they have no worries because they have a massive navy on the way. Yeah, it's definitely still coming. Yeah. Still coming. Yep. It'll be here. I'm not worried. I don't know why anyone would be worried about this. It's Anyways, uh, the city falls. <laughs> Weird that that's what happened. Uh, so in this situation, we see hints of Princess Cirilla and her powers. Yes. As well as she gets the cryptic message of she has to find Geralt of Rivia. He is we, her destiny. We get very subtle hints that she has the power of shouting real good. Uh, is essentially how it's presented. Dragonborn? Possibly. Possibly a dragonborn. Okay. Possibly absorbs the soul so she can speak the language of the dragons, which is just shouting. I almost made a joke that would have just spoiled a lot into the future. <laughs> yeah. We will probably talk about the implications of the future. We will give you a warning when that's going to come, so 
you know that spoilers are coming if you don't want to know spoilers for our specific theories that are probably quite accurate for the coming seasons of this show. And hey, if we predict what's going to happen correctly, maybe you should give us some money. Cause, maybe, cause the writer, maybe the writers will give us money for writing season two for them. <laughs> mm, I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it as well, but who knows? In this whole scene of where we end up getting this storyline of Cyrilla in the castle and her relationship with her family, the, the one thing that always I find interesting in, in these fantasy settings is the princess hangout with the street people. Yeah, because we our first introduction to Cyrilla is her playing like jacks on the street where you have to bounce something off the ground and then pick up all the sticks and then catch the thing before it hits the ground. Yeah, I believe they refer to it as knuckle bones. Yeah, knuckle, knuckle bones. Whatever. She's playing this game with them and they're giving her a hard time and then she runs away and has to go back to work because she's the princess. I don't know why princesses yeah. need to hang out with street people, but they do. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's one of those tropes to show like, you know, this isn't your normal princess. She's, she's rough one and of the common people. She's rough and tough and she's trying to get raised to know the people or something. Yeah. I don't know. This helps later because at a much later point in the series, we see the scene from another perspective and it gives us further information about the characters and their motivations. I mean, not really. She just likes knuckle bones and losing, yeah. apparently, because <laughs> it was even the joke with uh, her and her uh, grandfather, kind of. Yes. Her kind her, of grandfather. Her step-grandfather. The yeah. man who married her grandmother. Uh, about, like, did you win? She's like, no, it's like... I can even, like, rule a kingdom if you can't win knuckle bones against some commoners. Yeah. It's like, I would have won if the guards didn't show up. Jeez. Uh, so, in this breakdown of the scene, there's ends up having the feast where a bunch of people are coming and trying to woo the kingdom, essentially. Yep. They're trying to, uh, as the queen so aptly puts it, they're peacocking around. Pretty much. And then, uh, eventually, that ends up leading into, we find out Nilfgaard is coming, even though the whole time's like, Nilfgaard will never come. Yeah, surprise, surprise, Nilfgaard actually invades the city, and it's bad for everyone. And essentially, the, uh, the court mage, I don't remember the actual title, protects them for a little while against Nilfgaard by creating a magical portal over the portcullis. But they end up just bombarding it with arrows. They until finally they... break through it, so they storm the castle. And then the three of them escape. So we got the mage, Cirilla, and the handsome knight, who's clearly going to be a very key character this story. Yeah, he's going to play through the story for a much longer period, being a trusted friend and confidant. Anyways, arrows are a bitch of a thing, and he disappears. Yeah, he dies, and she is now on her own. Because yeah. the mage runs the other way to try and prevent the uh, soldiers from catching up with him. Yeah. And uh, she does end up getting captured by one of the knights, who kind of rides off with a bit. And she escapes from him, literally pulls a... Uh, Force awakens and splits the earth between them and runs off. Runs off into the woods and stays in the woods for the rest of the season. Uh, Hence leading back to what uh, the story that we keep getting from uh, Geralt, which is the woman, uh, the girl in the woods will be your destiny. Yeah. Yeah. So very early on in the series, uh, he finds a young woman in the woods called Renfrey. Uh, He ends up finding out through lots of shenanigans in the town of Blaviken that one of the mages there wants to kill Renfrey because she's been cursed by the devil he believes she's evil because she was born during an eclipse exactly she's been cursed by the devil so she must die and so his hunting of her sent her into exile it resulted in like the death of her family she became an outlaw bandit there she even tells a story about how she was essentially raped in the woods or someone attempted to rape her and she killed them to survive uh she gets away But now, Geralt is put in the very difficult situation of knowing that this girl, who's not actually a monster, is going to go do everything in her power to murder 
this wizard. Who is not a great person himself. So we realize it's all just shades of gray. But and he decides to try and stop Red Free anyways yeah. because if she does what she wants to, she will become the monster that they think she is. Yeah. And yet both sides continue to tell him to choose the side that is the lesser of the two evils. And that's where we get the famous quote about how evil is evil, there is no lesser or meddling. If he's to choose between one or the other, he'd rather not choose at all. That whole line. So he decides to kind of step back, but then he sleeps with Renfrey. Yep. Wakes up in the morning with the visions of the girl in the woods is your destiny. And then decides he's got to go stop Renfrey from doing what she was always going to do. Burn the city. Yeah, so he heads into the city, just murders her entire gang in this beautiful long shot combat. It's amazing. Yeah, it, it is all one shot too for this scene. Yeah. You can actually watch an interview with Henry Cavill where he talks about f- shooting that scene and about like the different kinds of swords that they have to use and how for this entire scene he's using a sword that's only about half the length as it's supposed to be so he can do motions of cutting through people without actually having to cut through people. He's really passionate about the role. I'll tell you that much. If you watch well, any he, of the interviews he does. Well, he, he was a big fan of The Witcher before getting the role and it just makes it so much better. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, another going back to the character of Renfrey, I believe in the books the character goes by Shrike? Yes. Renfrey's her name in the show, in the book she goes by Shrike. Okay, because uh, that's not confusing at all. In, in this whole conflict between the wizard and her, uh, I do enjoy, even though he's an antagonist, the wizard character, and just the interactions with him and Geralt, too. Like, when he goes in the tower and it's all the naked was like, your design is like, actually, I'm borrowing it from a person who's long dead. Yeah. Or the, the, the part that I enjoy the most is the whole comment about prophecies, where he tells them the prophecies, like, it's not a good prophecy. It doesn't rhyme. All no. good prophecies rhyme. <laughs> All good prophecies rhyme. That's not a real prophecy. And then just as he's about to leave, the wizard makes up his own little rhymes. Like, there, that one rhymed. <laughs> now will you listen to me? No. I mean, it came true. <laughs> so anyways, uh, Geralt murders a bunch of people at the Lavacate and then ends up killing Renfrey, uh, mostly because she decides to try and fight him when he keeps asking her to leave. And you then, can even watch that fight and it's something really cool where for the first three quarters of the fight he's mostly fighting defensively and just blocking her attacks from hitting him. And then finally she stabs him in the gut when he's not paying attention. He's like, alright, fuck it. Let's just do this. And he murders her in like five seconds. Well, like, it, I feel like this is one of those scenes where it does a really good of explaining the characters without any dialogue. Just their fight it fully explains it. Where she's in a very desperate situation where like she's at her end like this fight is going to end with someone dying and she's going to destroy this town. Yeah, and this is the only way that she sees she can actually end the whole conflict. And, and yes. as we learn with Geralt too, like, he's a very... Like, he tries to be very neutral, <laughs> for lack of a better yeah. term. He uh, just wants to do his job of killing monsters because that's what he is. He's a witcher. He kills monsters. But at the same time, like, he has some rules he won't kill intelligent creatures that are peaceful and such as that. So... He doesn't want to kill humans either. As he explains earlier, if he does what they say he does then he becomes the monster that they think he is. Yeah, exactly. And he doesn't want to kill her, but he's also not going to let himself be killed to solve a situation. That even gets referenced later on when he ends up saving the princess uh, that is turned into, uh, what's the name of the creature? Oh, I don't remember. But the the princess is essentially cursed by another man and becomes this sort of demon creature that he saves. Yeah, but he even says, like, uh, he'll try to save her, but... It's a Striga. Yeah, Striga. Striga, that's it. But he he won't die to try to save her. Exactly. Yeah, so at the end of the first episode, we've got the famous white wolf, the witcher, the monster hunter. The, the butcher, butcher of Blaviken. He's slain one monster and what? 
seven people? Uh, quite a few people. Yeah. Uh, he clearly feels a little bit emotionally torn about the fact that he killed Renfrey, so in addition to murdering her, he also steals her brooch to carry with him at all times. Increasing his crimes from murder to also uh, aggravated robbery. Or armed robbery? <laughs> Defiling a corpse? I don't know what the crime is, but he stole from uh, her after killing her. It, it's a few steps before grave robbing. Yes. Very premature grave robbing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, the wizard wanted to dissect her corpse anyway, but you know. Yeah. Uh, people are creepy there. Now, at this point, uh, we have actually been through at least two story timelines. We find out much later that Cirilla's story, or Siri, is much closer to the end of the series in real time. This one is actually about in the middle, and we actually have Yennefer's storyline, which is a bit further yeah, back. Which yeah, starts, starts up in the next episode. Yeah. Yeah, so essentially, series story takes place over the course of like maybe a couple weeks, whereas Gerald's is like probably close to 10 or 12 years Leading up to that point, and series is even and earlier than that. Yennefer's is oh, sorry, Yennefer's not series. Decades, apparently. Yes. Yeah, because it goes from her being a normal human child, essentially, to uh, learning her sorcerer abilities, getting caught and brought to uh, the pretty much wizard academy of this world, uh, where she ends up raising through the ranks and becomes uh, crown mage or court mage, and gives up on that pretty quickly when she realizes the political bullshit. Yep. And then ends up becoming a good person, I guess, is the best way to put it. <sighs> I I really hate Yennefer as a character, not gonna lie. I don't know, I enjoyed the scene where she gave that old guy a boner real good. That was, that was fun. <laughs> no, that, that was funny. But no, Yennefer is just... I can't stand any scene she's in. She's a very negative character. Like the classic joke that went around where early on in the series she, she was born deformed, so part of like... The mage process is once you've been fully trained, they take you through this process where they completely recreate you and give you the body you've always wanted and make you as beautiful as you can. But part of that process also makes it so that you can never have children down the line. Uh, and then, so she essentially doesn't pass all the tests and isn't allowed to go through that process. She forces the guy to perform the process on her later, or later to kind of get what she felt she had earned. And then later on, it makes big arguments about how she wasn't given a choice. Her choice was taken yeah. away from her. I, like, I mean, she was, now, to be fair, she didn't fail the test. She was given a posting she didn't want. Because she yes. was supposed to be the court sorceress for Nilfgaard. Yeah. yeah. So she, she wanted to take that position, despite the fact that the council ruled against her going there. Yeah. So she went to the dude in secret to have the ritual done on her. <laughs> yeah, and then she ends up going through that. And then she, in not very secret, steals it under the nose of the... Uh, uh, the council specifically, uh, also the main guy of the council's daughter, who was yes. given the position. Yeah, yeah basically walks out right in front of them, seduces the the king, the, the king. of the land she came from, the non-Nilfgaard that she actually wanted, and forces the other girl to have to now go to Nilfgaard. Which, uh, at this point, uh, Nilfgaard just kind of like the butt of everyone's jokes. Yeah, <laughs> Stupid little Nilfgaard. Shitty kingdom that no one likes, and the prince is like a little bit handsy with his court mages, apparently. And it stinks there. Yeah. And apparently it will rise to power in the future. Uh, just, but Yennefer, she's so dumb in her view of the world. Like, she says that her choice to give birth was stolen from her. She's the one who decided to give it up. Later on, when she's told to, or asked to come back to the academy to assist with something, she's like, but you said that this person specifically asked for me. I was like, I didn't say that. 
I said I wanted you there. And so she's like, okay, you lied to me. I was like, no, she, no, he didn't. I, I mean, I feel there's one important thing to mention about mages in the Witcher universe. They're all kind of assholes that way. They're all kind of dicks. Even the nice wizards and uh, sorcerers are assholes. Like, for example, uh, actually, I shouldn't go into that example. That's a spoiler for yeah. <laughs> much later in the storyline. But I'm just going to say, even ones that seem nice have done very dickish things in the storyline. Yeah, just, uh, I just can't stand Yennefer. That's fair, but I feel like out of all the characters, Yennefer's probably the most well-developed character throughout the storyline, even if you want to argue she's not... Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, she doesn't like, actually become a good, good person at the end, uh, like, but it's a very interesting storyline. It does make sense, too, because you look at her, she was heavily deformed, she was hated by her, quote-unquote, parents. Her, her father, father sold her for less than a pig. <laughs> less than a pig. Yeah, uh, literally the court mage, court mage who ends up trading her comes to the town where she's kept. She's like, how much for a cow? And he's like, this much. She's like, how much for that beast? He's like, this much. She's like, uh, let's bring that down to below the pig. And he's like, all right, fine, here you go. 250, best offer. Yeah. So Yennefer had nothing. She was ugly. She was hated by everyone, her own parents too. She had no control of her own life. And finally, she's getting power through magic. And then she just wants more and more and more power. Yeah, and that's, it kind of goes back to the whole thing of it's something she never had. She was always the butt of everyone's joke. She just wanted to die and end it all. Uh, as we got in the scene where she tried to kill herself after she was sold into the magic school. And uh, at Eratusa, her teacher, uh, she kind of gets like a motherly figure in a sense. Not the best motherly figure, mind you. But they end up having that growth where she sees that there could be so much more in the world. And she actually starts moving towards that. Now, where the motherly figure wasn't the best one, she kind of goes into that whole crazy for power thing. Now, to be fair, this is also because she's betrayed quite a bit by other wizards because, as I said before, all the wizards are kind of assholes. Yeah, she yeah. has this one male wizard who she's kind of infatuated with, and she kind of builds this relationship with, and they both kind of agree that they're going to live together forever in perfect power couple dominance, and then he ends up betraying her to his leader, and she finds but, out and is yeah. so her, pissed. Her quest for power kind of, in a sense, stems from the fact that like she realizes she can't trust anyone. Yes. So in order to make sure everything goes the way that is best for her, she needs the ultimate power so that she can never be betrayed again. So it's a very interesting character and develops a lot more moving forward as well. Uh, but yeah, she is kind of hard to say is a good character at the core. Uh, her relationship with Geralt is another example of just like... That's a lot of poison in that well. <laughs> yeah. But I think she's a very interesting character and has a lot of interesting nuances throughout the story as well. Yeah. Uh, Geralt, on their hand, is a very straightforward character. It's He, he tries to act like he has no emotions and he's neutral, but he's very far from it quite a bit. Yes, he very clearly has lots of emotions. He tries to present that he has two thoughts. His two thoughts are hmm and fuck. But he very clearly has a lot of feelings about a lot of different topics. Like, he goes out of his way to try and save Yennefer a lot. Even after she's made it clear that she wants nothing to fucking do with him. He keeps trying to save her. And uh, something else I want to mention that's actually pretty cool at this point, too, is, as we mentioned before, the this series kind of, I think it covers all of the first short storybook and a good chunk of the second one. Yes. Uh, the first time we actually meet Yennefer in the books is when Geralt meets Yennefer. Uh, and then she's the main character moving forward, so this is when he goes into the town after uh yeah jasker is yes infected with a genie curse essentially yeah and he's going to die unless he gets magical attention now 
the thing that I say is interesting because the Eratusa stuff and her backstory with Yennefer is not part of the short stories. That is all new. We Like, we had context and information. Like, we knew she was born deformed with a hunchback and all that such. And that she had a horrible time in Eratusa. But we never actually got the events as they unfolded. So the whole Yennefer storyline up to this point was created specifically for the show. Yeah, all that stuff that happened was based on different information that we had hints at. But didn't have the explicitly stated... Here's Yennefer's story before she meets Joe, because in the books, it's not the story of Yennefer, it's the story, very much so, of Geralt the Witcher, and how these other characters kind of touch on his life. Which is interesting, because the book is actually not told from his perspective either, it's kind of everyone around his perspective as the events unfold. Yeah. Yes. Which is why I love the bird, Yeskir, so much. Yeskir's fantastic. It's like... He just shows up as a bird with terrible skill that no one likes. And he doesn't have terrible skill. He's okay, very well, talented. He just doesn't have stogs that anyone wants to listen to. Yeah. Right. And he then, doesn't have access to stories that compel people. And then Ger- or Geralt appears in his life, just sitting in the back of the bar that he's performing in. Geralt and Yaskier. <laughs> G- Geralt and Yaskier. But, uh, yeah, so Yaskier decides to follow him around, decides, hey, I'm going to, uh, Take part in your adventures. Get some experience from uh, your bouts and your struggles and use that to write songs. And in return, the songs I write won't be about you and encourage people to have a much better opinion of you. Because right now, people just hate his you're guts. The butcher you're the butcher of Blaviken and that's all that you fucking are. And uh, little did uh, Geralt know, he now has a best friend. Best friend for life. He just doesn't know it yet. In fact, he kind of hates his best friend, but they are best friends. Uh, and... There's so many good things that happen once we get the introduction of this character as well. Uh, for example, the Tosquinder Witcher, which was an, a crazy oh. success. There's so many remakes of it now, and it's a, such a good song. Uh, on top of that, just the interactions with the actor are really good, too. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite ones is in that fir- uh, first episode where he gets introduced, where they're uh, after the whole the trial and all that stuff, and he's singing the song, and then he goes like, that's not how that happened. It's like, of course it's not how it happened. No one's going to listen to the real story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my favorite scene with him was definitely... A couple episodes later, Yaskir was in some pub listening to a story of some terrified fisherman. He's like, and it just came out of the lake and it ate him whole. It's like, ate him whole? Okay. Yeah. He never gives me the good details. Never yeah, thank you for details. doing this. I never get the story when I hear it straight from <laughs> that. He's dead. No, he's not. No, no, he's not. Yeah, I saw it. Nah. Door opens. Guilt comes in covered in guts and gore. He's like, yeah, see? Completely <laughs> fine. Transition to him, to him just getting the whole pub to sing Toss a Coin to your Witcher. <laughs> Now, the fun thing about this one is, up to this point, we've been getting hints. Now, if you read the books, uh, you know that the story's not being told correctly. You know, it's multiple timelines. Yes. But we've been getting hints for anyone who's watching it for the first time that it's separate timelines. Yeah. I've, for example, well, uh, when he has to save the girl from uh, being the Striga, we meet uh, the prince and we see a photo of uh, the uh, princess, I guess, would be the yes. point, of when they're younger. And then in Yennefer's storyline, where she ends up usurping the... Uh, position from we uh, yeah. see the young children yeah we see those specific kids as, as kids in that party essentially yeah. like when we i also... was told when i was going into it and i was told to expect some time skips i was expecting very clear defined like time jumps like at the start of a new episode or something but since i knew about the time skips it was easier for me to pick out these little details and say okay they're just more subtle things there's also similar robots where like the queen, they keep talking, like uh, Ciri's grandmother, they keep talking about how she initially won this big battle as essentially a child princess. Like, and she tells that story a couple times to Ciri. And then 
much later in the series, you hear other people talking about this princess who just won some major battles on her. And it's like, oh, okay, so that series story is much further down the line than this current yeah, time. And in fact, we even get some notice of that, too, in multiple storylines where we hear mentionings of, you know, uh, Nilfgaard and how, you know, oh, the king's a drunk and he... <laughs> You know, getting handsy with all of his court people and hires prostitutes to live in the castle. And then we hear stories about, oh, he was killed by somebody and, like, the true king for the people's there. And then, of course, there's the Nilfgaard that's just, like, the raw powerhouse just marching across the continent and destroying everybody because they take no prisoners. Uh, and, in fact, the, the story you mentioned, too, the episode that opens up with in the pub with the Asker telling the story, like, oh, no, he's not dead. The fish is going to be dead soon. That's the story where we end up meeting Ciri's mother. And see the events of how since she, she was born. Oh yes. And, yes, and this is probably one of my favorite episodes. The in... Law of Surprise episode. Yeah, because uh, the whole thing about it is the fact that Geralt doesn't want anything to do with this party. He hates socializing with people, but he kind of does it as a favor to Yasker because they're best friends. He just doesn't know it yet. Yeah, yes. and Yaskir has made Geralt famous, so he's like, "Okay, you owe me this you one me fucking this thing. thing, buddy. You got to be a bodyguard for me because I may have wrestled some rich people's jimmies." I like the part two where the one guy's about to kill him. And the yeah. guy was like, he was kicked by a donkey. Oh, he, my apologies. Here's a coin. He, he, it literally could not have been him. He does not have the pieces required for this to be the way Because the ox kicked him in the balls. And then uh, we also find out, uh, well, throughout the event, uh, Siri's grandmother ends up noticing, oh, Gerald Rivia's here. And... Is kind of subtly saying, if something bad happens tonight, wink. Do you think you might be able to kill somebody? Wink, wink. He's like, no. <laughs> yeah, I need to know that you're on my side when bad stuff potentially maybe goes down in the future. He's like, I only kill monsters. I'm not going to be helping with your political disputes. And then, of course, the political dispute comes person. It's the guy on the floor. And he's just punching guards like, I'm here for the queen. He's like, yeah. so sorry for my conduct guy- to the to your guards. Uh no, no harm meant or anything. I'm sorry. Yeah, we find it. It's a porcupine man. Because he was apparently cursed. And then as soon as they see he's a porcupine man, the queen's like, he's a monster. Will you kill him now? No. <laughs> yes, and we find out that this monster has actually been cursed. Uh, because what happened is he was once a young knight who saved the queen's original husband's life. And in return, the original husband had offered the law of surprise. So... So yeah, the, so the knight claimed the Law of Surprise, which means that the person the Law of Surprise is being claimed from offers up something that they have which they do not yet know that yeah, they yeah, have. Yeah, it's usually meant for kings or queens that are abroad when something they like want to give a debt. It could be anything, so... It yeah, it could, could be like a dog, could be like a little plot of land. Yeah, just something that they didn't know they had up to that moment, and then when they find the new thing they had, that was what's given. And it's usually the first new thing you find out. So, for example, if they're traveling back home, it's like, oh, the harvest is great. It's like, okay, he gets part of the harvest thing. Okay. So it doesn't necessarily need to be a person. It's just whatever the next new thing you find out that you did not know you owned, that now goes to that person. Okay, that makes more sense now. So in this case, the king offers this to the young knight. The young knight accepts. And then the king goes home to find out that his wife is pregnant. The thing he had that he did not know was his comic daughter. Who has now been pledged to the young knight. Now this is where the this is probably like also even though it's my favorite episode, one of the most ridiculous things too is the queen's in like kill him, and then a full fight breaks out with Geralt saving him, and then the uh, guy who ends up becoming uh, her uh, the queen's husband also jumps in and starts killing the knights. And then when this fight's breaking out, they're trying to save him. The queen then comes in and kills one of her own guards. I'm like, you were literally the person that said kill that man. Why are you killing your own people in the middle of this brawl you started? Just say stop. Yeah. So then we end up finding out that 
to disavow the law of surprise causes much more problems than you could ever imagine. Because destiny is very much a thing in this universe. Yes, destiny is very much a fucking thing. A literal hurricane breaks out in the middle of this courtroom. Yeah. So then, uh, they end up... Yes, the hurricane breaks out. We find out that Siri's mother uh, also has this weird power that Siri has. Uh, and then Gerald intervenes, saves everyone inside the vicinity. Well, everyone who's not dead already. Everyone who hasn't already died. And so the young knight's like, how can I ever repay you? You saved my life and managed to ensure my victory or my marriage to this beautiful girl who I love. And Gerald's like, uh, fuck it, the law of surprise. We've like, already learned about that this episode. Why not continue to learn about it? He's like, <laughs> you don't owe me anything. Please, just leave it at that. You're good. He's like, no, I must give you something in return. You saved my life. <laughs> Cue the immediate vomiting, which means only one thing in any yeah. storyline. The well, woman's pregnant. First, the queen's like, no, fuck you. I forbid you to claim the law of surprise. And he's like, uh, too late. Already been claimed. And then the girl pro- uh, vomits. And you're like, oh, pregnancy. We know what Gerald's been promised. Uh, <laughs> and then Gerald just does not want any of it. Yeah. Does not want a child. Just walks the fuck away. Now, I, I want to point out one thing because this works. There's a bit of a difference here compared to the story within the books. That it's not a spoiler or anything, but the law of surprise in the books is primarily used by witchers yes. to increase the ranks. Yeah, it's how they kind of inscript more witchers to fight alongside. So it's not actually a very common thing. It's kind of essentially whenever a witcher saves somebody, they'll ask for the law of surprise, and then usually the firstborn son is generally what is given to go off and be trained as a witcher. Okay. Uh, but as we find out later in the storyline, more witchers being made is not something that's going to happen very frequently because most of the tricks to it were lost. Yes. So it was usually one of those things where it was like, if the person who you saved can't pay your normal fees, then they invoke the law of surprise and get a new person to fight alongside them in your place. But Yeah, they usually yeah. come back after six years or something like that Yeah, to collect the child. Okay. But yes, as was said, stated in the series, that's not likely to come up based on a lot of fundamental changes to the way witchers are made. So, uh, Law of Surprise gets evoked. The really fun part is that he says he wants nothing to do with this child and walks away. And then later on in life realizes, nope, fuck, I gotta be a part of this child's life. Otherwise, the world is just gonna get straight <laughs> fucked. Because after this happens is when we find out, well, we find out this happened before the whole genie incident with Yaskir getting cursed. Yes. And Geralt was trying to find this genie because he can't sleep now because he decided to leave the child. Yeah, he's like trying to find a genie so that he can get the wishes to break his like curse of not being able to sleep. Yeah, he wants to use one of the three witch- wishes just to be able to fucking sleep. Now, now the thing I really enjoy about the whole storyline there with the genie thing too is the fact that like, you know, they're, they're fishing for the genie and then Yasker, as soon as he opens up the body, he's like, I have three wishes. I want to kill this one man. <laughs> and like, I want to be rich. And then uh, immediately, uh, Geralt's like, there's only one wish, shut up! Just like, stop all this stuff. And the genie ends up attacking, and they have to go find a magical being. This is where, in the books, originally we end up getting an introduction to Yennefer. It's also where Geralt gets introduced to Yennefer in the story of the show. Now, there's some really cool things uh, with the story that end up having large effects moving forward through the storyline. So right off the bat, Yennefer sees, oh, a genie. That's an all-wish-granting creature that I can use to get my ability to have children back. And... Jasker just doesn't want to die, I guess. And girl, realizing that maybe Jasker is my best friend, wants to save him. Yeah, and he also realizes that Jasker didn't get the wishes. He did. Yeah, so... Well, he doesn't actually realize that right away. Right. He thinks the the, uh, genie is latched on to Jasker because he's trying to make the wishes and is trying to essentially use Jasker as his genie bottle. Yes. Uh, But Yennefer ends up thinking the same thing and she ends up 
uh, while saving Asker, turns Geralt into like kind of a, a slave of sorts to go do some menial tasks to beat up people in the town that doesn't agree with her. And then we end up finding out, because as Geralt's getting the shit beat out of him, uh, he tells him to go blow up or something like that. Yeah, he says, I wish your head would explode or something to that effect. And so then I want your head, head to explode. And then his head explodes. Yeah. yeah. And then Geralt realized, oh, when he told Yaskin to shut up, that's why the genie attacked him. Yeah. And then when he, that was the first wish. Yeah, I just want some fucking peace. And that's when Yaskir's throat starts to close off and he can't make any more sounds. Uh. And then the second wish was the guy's boiling it. He's like, oh, wait, I have the wishes. So he goes to save uh, Yennefer. Well, actually, Yaskir's coming out all fine, and he's like, oh, let's go! She's crazy, she's stupid, let's get out of here! He's like, gotta save her, blah blah blah, goes in. And this is where probably one of the big things for the whole story happens, where she's going to die to the genie, so he ends up using his last wish to save her. In the books, I remember, uh, I think we get the wish right away. This yes. one kind of holds on to it a little bit. It holds on to it until a couple episodes later when it's revealed. But the gist of what the wish is, because it's not phrased the exact same way, obviously, but the genie's going to kill her regardless of what his wish is. So Geralt realizing the only way to save her is to essentially use a wish that would cause the genie to not be able to kill her. So he ends up linking her destiny to his. So the genie, where he's the master of the genie, the genie can't cause harm to him. So if the genie kills her, the genie kills him. Okay. So he links their destiny so that the genie physically can't kill her. But because of this, they're now drawn to together throughout the rest of time. Which is why the characters keep just running into each other in random places throughout the story. Yeah, and then uh, the story gets developed a bit further when uh, Geralt's approached by an uh, old adventurer man with two women who wants to go slay a dragon and win some land. No, like the last thing that he wants off his bucket list before he's too old to do anything anymore. And Yasker's immediately on board with this. It's like, yes, let's go with these beautiful women, fight a dragon, it'll be awesome. And then the old... And Gerald is not on board with this plan at all. He's like, I don't want to go kill a dragon or anything. I, I'm not on board with this I plan. I was taught to protect dragons. <laughs> exactly. And then the old man's like, well, here are the other gangs that are going on the dragon hunt, just so you can see who they are. He looks around, sees some dwarves, sees some, like, pirate raiders, and then sees Yennefer with an old fucking knight. And Jess gives me, like, you know what? You're right. We're not going on this hunt. I don't want anything to do with that fucking woman. And John's like, you know what? You're right. We're going on this fucking hunt. Let's go, boys. Let's go. And... This is where we start seeing the real dynamics of, like, Geralt's friendship circle of Yennefer. Because at this point, it's pretty much just Yennefer and Yasker. That's the their only friend group. And they both hate each other. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, there's the, one of the, the favorite parts of all sitting around the fire. And the knights being, you know, douchebag nighty. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what he's supposed to be in this. And she's, he's going to leave. And then Jennifer, Yennefer's like, oh, do you want me to come back to your uh, tent with you? And he's like, oh, I wouldn't. Sully your honor like that. And then he asks, he's like, yeah, that ship already left sail and sunk. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, Prince Charming immediately ends up dead. Yeah, shit yep. himself to death, if I remember correctly. Oh, someone so, someone slid his throat, throat while, shitting while he was shitting himself to death, yes. Uh, but they end up scaling the mountain. She's going to give up, but then they have a heart-to-heart. They realize that they love each other. Kind of. Yes. And decide to climb the mountain together to see if the dragon heart can cure her uh, infertility. Well, that's what she's doing. Jail believes he has convinced her to walk away from this and that she doesn't actually need a child. Yeah. Only for it later to be revealed that he already has a fucking child through the law of surprise and that sets her the fuck off. Well, it's not just that because as they're climbing up, they end up, it's just them, the dwarves and the scavengers are... Whatever. Yeah. Ravagers, I think yeah. they're. They get up to the top, they find that the old man was actually a dragon the whole time. The ghoul dragon he was talking about earlier, that's rare. Yes. It's rare and shouldn't even technically exist. So According they, to Gerald, doesn't exist. According to the gold dragon, it's just very rare. Well, to be fair, Gerald doesn't say it doesn't exist. He says if it does exist, it was not natural. 
Yes. Yeah. Just like him. Yeah. Which is why him and the dragon are such good friends. And, uh, not really spoiler, a little fun tidbit from later on the story. Uh, Yasker even mentions that Geralt in the in a later thing says, Oh, Geralt, yeah, he's friends with the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those stories that no one believes. So, yeah, so they've go up to the dragon where they're supposed to hunt a dragon and they find out that there's a single dragon egg left and that that's the reason that this one dragon has been so territorial and attacking people. Yeah, because dragons are very quickly going extinct, so he wants to protect the child so that it can be born. Yes. So they fight off all the ravagers who are going to kill the dragon. Uh, they protect them to the end, and then the gold dragon like brings up, he's like, hey, thanks, Gerald. Also, stop fucking around with Destiny and go raise the child who's yours and do the right thing. Yeah, and to be fair, he kind of destroys the relationship of Yennefer and Geralt. But it's kind of needed because this is where Yennefer then finds out the wish he made. She's like, oh, I don't actually love you. You're twiddled with fate and now I'm forced to love you because of this. Uh, and you have a child, so fuck off. I, I don't have a child. Yeah. Whereas if you guys get together, all of a sudden Yennefer has a fucking child. Exactly. God damn it. Yeah. This is another reason why I like that uh, gold dragon dude because he's like, hey, Geralt. Go protect that child like you're supposed to. And Yennefer, you're never going to have a child. Get over it. Well, yeah, you're never going to have a child. And Geralt, uh, you're not going to be able to keep her. <laughs> uh, so they end up separating. And Geralt also kind of separates ties with Yasker at this point. Because Geralt also realizes every time something gets fucked up in my life, you're around. Except Specifically for... every time something gets fucked up with regards to Yennefer. Yes, he's around. Yeah. Because his best friend does not like his uh, girlfriend. Uh, that moment was so depressing, though. I really hope that they make make love. amends. Make, make love. Make <laughs> yes. amends later on. I want season two just to have one episode just dedicated to the relationship of Yaskir and Geralt. Uh, so it's at this point where Geralt is now kind of secretly trying to find out what's going on with Ciri. Because yes. he realizes he does have to do this because Destiny's starting to be messed up and... Nilfgaard is getting really strong and moving into a position where the whole kingdom is going to be in danger. And he yeah. realizes that this is mostly happening because of the fact that Ciri's not in with him yeah. as the law of surprise. So he starts heading back to Sintra to well, check on her. The reason he specifically goes back to Sintra is because he's meeting with the, the wizard guy that he's actually friends with, who that assassin show up to try to kill him, and he shows right, right. up to the, print of the queen, and he's like, hey, don't do that again. Yeah, I wasn't going to try and take Siri. I was going to let you keep Siri. I want nothing to do with this fucking child. And then you tried to assassinate me. So yes, now I'm going to take this child, who by all rights is fucking mine. And she's like, no, I won't let you have my grandchild. And he's like, yeah, you will. And then she ends up agreeing after lots of coaxing and gives him a different child who's definitely not her grandchild. And this is where we see the first episode from a different point of view, because we see that, oh, Garrett was actually there. This is also a different uh, from the original story in the books, because Geralt was not there. This is yes. a newly edition where he was in Sintra when it fell. Okay. Yeah, so when they're playing Knucklebones, we actually see Geralt watching them, and he's watching who he thinks is the princess, and who is the child he's supposed to care for, saying goodbye to her street rat friends, only for one of those street rat friends to get referred to as your highness and walk away to go hang out with her mother, or her grandmother, the queen. And Geralt's like, that bitch fucking lied to me. Holy fuck. Uh, he ends up getting imprisoned underneath because he refuses to play along their games. Yeah, he says, I, if I find out anything that would indicate Ciri's in danger, I'll be back here and save her regardless of what you want. Yeah. So he gets imprisoned beneath the castle. Nelfgaard immediately invades as soon as he's imprisoned. And the queen's like, go find Geralt, get him. I realize 
Finally, that I was fucking wrong all along. They go down to find Geralt. Oh, they find him. He's already escaped and is off to try and find Siri. So, shenanigans happen. Two more episodes, I think, happen after. Yep, so this is kind of where the Geralt Siri stuff kind of takes a pause because then we finish off with Yennefer's story, which then also ties back in because while this is all going on, essentially what happened with Siri's storyline is she runs away from the first guard, splits the earth, ends up in the forest, meets an elf boy who she doesn't know his elf initially, but ends up helping her. Then they end up in a dryad forest, and the dryad's like, hey, you should be a dryad too, it's kind of cool. And she's like, I gotta do my destiny. We find out that the wizard friend who disappeared at the beginning was caught by Nilfgaard, and it was a changeling that essentially took over his form and was coming to sneak her back. Yes. But the dryads knew this, apparently, because, like, just remember to ask the right questions. It's like, but they still let the guy take her. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they don't They don't like outsiders in their forest, but I They guess. really like Siri. Yeah. They definitely like Siri. Yeah, and she's immune to the dryad uh, thing because of Destiny. Destiny makes you indestructible, pretty much. Yeah. Destiny is like plot armor in D&D. Uh, but then she ends up running off. Uh, there's a few other adventures in here where she ends up with a bunch of refugees that hate the, the royal family for all the shit that happened. You find that elves don't really too much like the royal family either because that victory that the mother won was like, pretty much just massacring families of elves. Yeah. And then eventually she ends up getting attacked by the changeling, overcoming him and splitting up with her friend and ends up blowing up the last of the survivors of Sintra that she knew. I really enjoy... So there's one point when uh, the changeling comes back uh, to report to the king of Delfgard. Ends up trying to kill the king of Delfgard because the king of Delfgard didn't give him all the information. And then the king of Delfgard just starts murdering everyone in the room. He's like, can't know for sure who's a changeling and who's not. Gotta kill everyone. And the carmage comes back and she's like, there were very simple tests we could have done. You just done. had to touch silver to them and you would have known. Like, Too slow. Just not fast enough. I had steel in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's kind of the last we see of the changeling from this point. He does manage to escape. Yes. But then Siri, after massacring the last of her friends that she played Knuckle Bones with, uh, ends up getting taken away by a woman and kind of like decides that she might stay here. Uh, off in the distance is where we get the end of Yennefer's storyline, which is the big castle fight, which is an amazing battle line. Oh, that scene was fantastic. Which had the amazing dude mage who just fought with a sword and teleported the sword back to his scabbard every time he lost it. Yeah. Yeah. He just threw his sword and teleported back constantly. But also, the king of Dilfgaard knew that that's how he fought and just waited for his power to run out. There's was like, nope, now I'm going to kill you. You can't get your sword back to fight. Now I'm going to kill you. Kick off the side of a hill. Yeah. Not even like a cliff front or anything. He just kicks him down a hill. And now you're dead. To be fair, I did think he died when there was a loud audible snap on his head smacked against a tree log. Yeah, that was the bark snapping as his head hit the bark. Ah. I like how, too, when the other mages make fun of this guy, because, like, huh, when we were doing wizardly duties, this man was training with a sword. Fucking punk-ass bitch out there murdering half the enemy. Let me touch these flowers and they'll release gas that puts people to sleep. <laughs> to be fair, yes, everything that happened there was fucking badass. Yeah, it was a great battle. Uh, and at this point, Geralt's also trying to follow the trail of Ciri. Uh, he ends up getting attacked and is being very delusional, essentially. And he keeps getting visited by all the women of his past, including his mother. mother. <laughs> yeah, he saved... A guy, a man who works on a farm, and then that guy decides to return the favor, tries to tend to Geralt's wounds, and takes him back to his home, where 
unbeknownst to him, his wife also found Siri. The thing I love about this too is like the the, the uh, traveler guy is trying to get like, oh, let me give you the like the, the law of surprise. The guy's <laughs> like, no, it's fuck like, no, you, no, please, no, god damn it. Oh, but if he does accept, that's like double the law of surprise on Siri. Does he that just has double ownership over does Siri. Does that stack? <laughs> I think it doesn't stack. I think it's just. Destiny tried to be very fucking no, 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 no. clear about no. the fact that he owed Siri. No, you know what it is? He actually did get the law of surprise for Siri again. Because Siri ran off into the woods to leave to try to find Geralt. Running away from the shack, Geralt appears, runs into the woods after Siri. Siri, we didn't any have any scene of her turning around in the woods. She just got lost. She just comes right back into Geralt. It's like, okay, you were running straight. And Destiny decided to turn you back around. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The law of surprise being triggered twice for this one ownership... What's just Destiny being like, you take my fucking notes when I give them to you. You're taking Siri. She is yours for now and ever. And the funny thing about this too is uh, they end up having the embrace. And up to this point, Garrett was having really bad dreams of like, Yennefer, is she okay? All that stuff. And they hug and it looks like, he's like, Siri. And he's like, who's Yennefer? And they cut to black. <laughs> Who the oh, yeah. fuck this bitch? Because Siri also had a dream of Yennefer. Yeah, yeah. we find that they have a link. Yeah. They had a link to dreams. And so Siri could see what... Uh, Geralt was dreaming about. And that's where season one ends. Now, there's a lot of interesting things. First off, the casting, I feel, was pretty on point. There was a lot of arguments online, though. Yeah, there's a lot of arguments online with regards to people not liking certain castings. But, honestly, there was not a single cast that would have changed. I think they all were phenomenal. I loved the main three. Yaskier, Yennefer, and Gerald. And you heard me right, Yaskier gets ranked ahead of Siri. Yeah, they're all good. Like, the, the big uh, uh, complaint I heard when it comes to Yennefer specifically was Yennefer in the books is described as being, like, very pale and, yeah. like, raven hair. Not so much with the actress, but she Not fit the role perfectly, I feel. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, Siri was great in the role. Uh, Henry Cavill, which a lot of people were like, I don't know about this when it first started, no. I feel did amazing. He was fucking phenomenal at that role. Uh, the only one that I think had the most argument was the depiction of Triss in this Yes, movie. people were not happy with Triss just because Triss in the books and games has always been someone as described as having, once again, pale, freckled skin and bright red hair. She's a ginger. Yeah, she's a straight up ginger. They did not depict her as a ginger in the show, but also she's not a major enough character for me to be that broken-hearted about the fact that she's not depicted. Yeah, throughout the book, she actually doesn't have a big role. She's just kind of there for, like, little side things. She's more... Her role in the storyline is actually more of uh, Yennefer's friend yes. that shows up and gives her advice and stuff like that, more so than being a crucial character. But uh, the big thing was a lot of people didn't like the casting because, again, it didn't meet with the depictions of her later on in the story as well as uh, other things. It's what started that whole internet meme that was going around of book, game, cosplay netflix adaptation and it it started that whole me but also i actually watched the fucking netflix show and realized that you really don't have anything to complain about yeah, yeah. the actress is fine in the role like my, my big thing was like when she first showed was like is that true her hair's kind of red and it's like she's like the hair's not red <laughs> yeah because like again like they could have dyed the hair or changed the hair color that's kind of like tris's only defining feature in the books yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, she got really bright, fiery red hair. But also, you've got to remember, if no one fitting the description of Triss, I guess, tries out for the role of Triss, then they're not going to force someone to be Triss that doesn't want to be Triss. 
Oh, no, but, like, the, well, the example I'll... a lot of people give is get, Henry Cavill doesn't have silver ashen hair. Yeah. There's, I, I suppose. There's no reason... I, I understand why people complained about that stuff. But yeah, it's, it's not going to make me not want to watch a series and say it's a horrible, like, oh, not truthful to the adaption. It's just, I, I can understand the uh, upsetness of the hair color when it's a, a defined character trait of that character, but it's not so much that it's taking me out of the storyline. It's like, yeah. okay, that doesn't meet with what I expect us to be, but... It's a noticeable difference, but it's not one that's going to ruin the show. Exactly. What, if, what if they decided to give Geralt red hair instead? Ooh. I would probably be a lot more into the show. <laughs> the <laughs> if red Geralt wolf. had red hair and red skin and red eyes and just looked like he was wearing one of those red dwarf suits the entire series. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Ashen Wolf. Wait, what? Ashen, you know? Because I look like I'm literally full of embers. Ashes. <laughs> this is Dark Souls now, guys. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, is there any standout favorite moments you have so far uh, in the storyline, though? Uh, so I have a couple of moments that I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the big battle at the castle with all the court rangers fighting against the entire army of Dovecart. I think that fight was phenomenal. Even watching them slowly lose individual battles while doing amazing things. I think that was really cool. I also just love the Battle of Blaviken. Because that first introduction to actually seeing Gerald fight against other human beings and how he just mowed them the fuck down was phenomenal. Yeah, that scene was one of my favorites for just fights because I was watching the first episode and I'm like, hmm, not terribly interested in this. It's a good series, but uh, I don't know about it. Then that fight happened and I'm like, okay, that was really well done. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a bit of a slow start. Uh, a lot of things people are saying going into the series. It's like, it's the new Game of Thrones, which is a very incorrect way to look at this, I feel. No. It, it, it's, yeah, it's a fantasy storyline that's very gritty and very gruesome deaths, but that's literally where the connection ends. Along with having magic, it's very realistic in its depiction of uh, medieval times. Exactly. But that's pretty much where it, the connection ends. Yeah. It has nothing to do with Game of Thrones other than, yeah, if you say that this is the next Game of Thrones, it's like calling Game of Thrones the next Lord of the Rings. Yes, they're both fantasy worlds, but that does not make them the same story at all. And this gets very off the rails moving forward. Yes, this does not stick with the whole Game of Thrones feeling at all in the future. No. Now, now, now for me, uh, I've already mentioned a few of my favorite moments. Uh, one that hasn't come up yet that I like to talk about is, uh, it would be, I believe it's the second or third episode, uh, where he's got to fight the Striga. And yes. the opening for that episode is him in the whorehouse, essentially. He's with the prostitute. <laughs> And she's like going over all these stories, and it's like, well, you're not paying attention. It's like, what? I thought knowing people were faking was your specialty. <laughs> but when he's leaving, because he doesn't have the full money to pay for it, he's got to leave his horse behind when he goes off to the town. And he's like, if anything happens to my horse, he's like, I'm not scared of you. And he just steps up to him. He's like, yes, I got it. <laughs> Nothing will happen to your horse, I promise. I also liked the uh, the scene where Yaskir first decided to tag along, and they were captured by the elves. <laughs> yeah. Because it was a really good insight into Geralt as a character and how he viewed the world. Oh, yeah. It's like, I'm not here to kill you. I'm not here to harm you. I'm just going to give you some advice and hope that you do the right thing. Yeah, I don't... I was hired to kill you. I'm not going to kill you. But if you don't leave, these people will end up coming here to kill you. Just go somewhere else. Yeah, and that kind of goes into the rules that he has, where if you're an intelligent creature that's, like, not evil, you're mind your own business and don't want to cause any harm, he has no reason to kill you regardless of the contract he has. Yeah. 
But it also shows us a lot about the world where Yaskir is talking this whole time about how there's these beautiful fields that the elves just kind of gave to the humans. It is weird that they do that. And then they meet with the elves and the elves are like, you actually fucking believe we would just give the humans our land? How stupid are you? No, you fought and stole our lands from us. Yeah, just goes back to that classic saying, victory or history is written by the victors. Exactly. And everyone hates Sintra. Not as much as Nilfgaard, though. I think people hate Nilfgaard. Except for people in Nilfgaard, I think most impartial viewers hate Nilfgaard a lot more than they hate Sintra. Are Nilfgaardians just communists? Because, like, everyone gets everything. Or, like, they, they don't discriminate between classes. Everyone gets something. Well, uh, not really a big spoiler. It's a bit touching on Nilfgaard, but uh, moving forward, uh, like, Nilfgaard, we find it very much is they don't discriminate a lot. It's only you work for Nilfgaard and everyone's equal regardless of race and species and all mm. that. So it's very enticing for a lot of the... Uh, like the poor people are the ones ostracized by society. Yeah, pretty much the king was shitty before and that's why Nilfgaard was a joke and someone came in and rose to power and that's the guy that's trying to track down Ciri. Yeah. Uh, but in his kingdom, elves, hmm. dwarves, etc. Everyone's welcome. You do your part, you get your pay. So exactly. It, it, I guess you could say it just has a communist spiel to it. It's still a kingdom. He's still in charge. Actually, it's an empire, I believe, now. Yeah, it's still long, it's not a king anymore. It's uh, emperor of Nilfgaard. Yeah. But yeah, it, so it's very clearly rigidly structured class system. But also, yes, it's a lot more inclusive. Where it's not like just because you're a dwarf means that you're relegated to the lower tier of society. It's just everyone does the same work. Everyone's treated the same regardless of their birth. But also, it's not exactly a communism in the sense that everyone gets equal pay or anything like that. Okay. And another example of where we can see this, too, is the character of Istrid. So the one that Yennefer has the romantic relationship with. Oh, yes. Even though he right. does betray her, he's not a bad character, but he works for Nilfgaard. Yes. Yeah. And when Triss goes and... Uh, well, Yennefer. Yennefer, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Goes and happens to bump into him when uh, she's checking out Nilfgaard. Like, that's one of the things that led me to believe, are these communists? Because uh, she tries some of his drink. It's like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah, it's terrible, but uh, it's the same drink that everyone has. Well, yeah, it's not so much that. It's that the only thing worse than terrible wine is no wine at all. So living in a world where everyone has access to wine is better than living mm -hmm. in a world where the rich elite have access to the best wine. Yeah, so it's you can see that Nilfgaard is not a fully bad thing, but... They have a lot of good values. They just use the wrong methods to yeah. try to keep up those They're values. very aggressive with it, and uh, they seem to have some sort of cultish worship going on. Yes. Yes, they definitely do have a cult of the flame sort of deal going on. I mean, we, we've been dancing around it a bit. Maybe we should get into the spoiler talk here. <laughs> yes, okay. so... So, big ol' spoiler warning for the rest of the series, I guess? Yeah, so we'll be talking about, I guess, some of our ideas moving forward in relation to the fact that the books do finish this whole storyline and it goes into the games, which are much later. Uh, I will mark in the description below uh, when we spo start the spoiler talk and when it ends. So if you want to come back in at that time. So yes, if you do not want spoilers for the coming, that it's like we don't know the writers personally or anything like that. Like we don't know for sure where this is going, but this is a very educated guess based on our understanding of the books and all that. So spoiler wording, just look towards where we stop talking about spoilers in the future. Okay, so I'm getting right into it. 
back when I was getting into about the stuff with Triss, uh, first off, Triss is an example of a really nice sorcerer. Yes. In the first game, she just straight out lies to Geralt and pretty much tell, like, he loses his memory and she does not tell him anything about his past, even though she knows everything, to manipulate him. Yeah. Okay. So all sorcerers are kind of assholes. But let's not talk about the game too much because the games take place long after the books. Yeah, the... The way I think it is, I think the Netflix series, if anything, it's going to just do the storyline of the books, and it might make reference to the games afterwards, but the games take place immediately afterwards, in a sense. So, the Nilfgaard Empire, why do they want Ciri? Big spoiler, I don't know how they're going to do with this one, because in the books, we end up finding that the guy who's in charge of the Nilfgaard Empire is actually Ciri's father. He didn't die in the accident. He is actually, uh, he's a lowly knight because he was ousted from the Nilfgaard Empire, and he's actually the heir to the throne. And he was ousted by the asshole guy that was doing all the shitty stuff. So when him and his wife are kind of out on sale when they go missing, he's actually secretly going back to Nilfgaard to take over the throne and get the power back. He ends up killing his wife, pretty much. Yeah. Because she doesn't agree, because he needs Ciri's power for it. And she kind of makes sure that he can't get Ciri, and he throws her off the boat before they go back to Nilfgaard. Okay. So even though they like, oh, the ship disappeared at sea, it didn't. He just went back to Nilfgaard, took over, and is leading the army back to get back Ciri and her power. So he must be really annoyed that uh, Geralt has her by law of surprise then. Yes. Kind of. He does not like Geralt, even though Geralt saved his life. Not a particular fan. Now, that's the thing, because the actor... It's a different actor who plays the two characters. Yeah. But we also know that magic exists to change your appearance of the world so it is possible or it could also be possible that the act or not necessarily the actor but uh the character who's been leading the Nilfgaard army isn't actually the same character because of the fact that like he's just a general who's been leading but is aware of the plans of the actual leader of Nilfgaard exactly and in the books the whole way that they explain this is the fact that uh, when he was uh, trying to hide as the Hedge Knight, he had, like, long hair full of beard and all that stuff. So when we end up getting the reveal later on, the Emperor's always clean-shaven and, like, his full identity, right? Yeah. They might not go the route of having it be your father, though, because if you've read the books, you know that the ultimate plan is he needs to impregnate Ciri. <laughs> and that's a fucked up thing to do in a Netflix series. Yeah, just a bit. But then again, uh, there was incest in Game of Thrones. This is not Game of Thrones, though, Matt. This is another series. True. Yeah. True. And to be fair, the whole thing of he specifically is doing pregnant Siri is kind of like a weird plotline itself in the books, too. Yeah, so they mm-hmm. might have it still be he is the father, but they might play around with that. Instead of him needing to impregnate her, he might just need her to get impregnated or something like that. Yeah, because he needs the child mm-hmm. to be born and steal the power, essentially. Something yes. Like okay. So that's one of those things I'm curious to see how they're going to go for. I'm not sure if they're going to go that route, just where we've seen two different actors playing. But we also do know that he does still have that very specific interest. And from the scene we saw with the Changeling, he also has a very positive feeling towards Ciri. We saw from the interaction he had once he thought he had captured Ciri. So I do think it's not out of the question that that's where they're going. Yeah, I think they might just approach it in a different way, but it could be similar. Another few things of point is that Triss does have a more prominent role in the games, of course, but not so much in the no. storyline. And moving forward with the books, we're also going to get more straight linear-based if they keep to the process of the books, because the first two books are fully... Yeah, the first two books are just a bunch of essentially short stories that are loosely connected, 
Whereas going forward from there, they tend to follow a lot more of the... Yeah, because it's a linear story of Geralt and Ciri and just a bunch of stuff uh, that go along with that. They don't stay together forever, though, because Ciri also ends up going off. Because essentially how the plot ends up going, as I was mentioning, it goes off the rails a bit. There's multiple dimensions. Yes. And Ciri has the power to hop through dimensions. Okay. And she's being eternally hunted without her knowledge right now by the Wild Hunt. All right. Which is kind of important, but not really to the books. Comes into play a lot more of the video games than it does. Yeah, it was just kind of like an offhand thing in the books that comes up here and there. Yeah. But then not so much as an actual plot line until the video games actually resolve it. Okay. Uh, But because essentially the whole storyline, it's Geralt takes series when a trainer... Uh, I believe she does get some training at the winter yes. school. She does get a bit of training at the winter school. But stuff ends up happening. She ends up leaving. They realize that she's more attuned to some magical things. So they have to find a magical teacher. And he needs to make sure it's the best of the best for the magical teacher. Oh, no. <laughs> Can you guess who the best of the best is? Uh, please don't say Yennefer. It is Yennefer. God damn it. Yennefer is a very important character in the storyline. And their romance of Geralt and Yennefer is on and off. Yeah, and they're tied together by destiny, I know. And they get married. Oh. Kind of. Yeah. Which, uh, going back to the whole thing about Triss being an asshole, Triss is the best friend of Yennefer and does not tell Geralt that he's married and has a wife and a child and she manipulates him to her own means, including having sex with him. Because that's another thing that's weird about Triss in the books. She desperately wants Geralt to have sex with her. Yes. Huh. All right. Got that sweet, sweet witcher dick. Yeah. And the, the depiction of Geralt we got is very actually influenced from the games because the description of Geralt in the books, he's a very ugly sounding man. And then when the CD Projekt Red got the game rights and we're making the game, it's like, I don't think Geralt would have this much luck with women if he looked like he's described. So let's make him a little bit more rugged handsome. Yeah. And then Henry Cavill just took that a little bit step further and became just a very attractive man. I... I I'm going to rephrase what I just said. Henry Cavill didn't become a very attractive man. Henry Cavill has always been a very attractive man. He made the role a much more attractive man. Uh, And, of course, we do get the return of other characters. Yasker will be back. Yasker is a longtime friend of Geralt. Uh, Also goes by the alias of Dandelion. Yep. Okay. That's a name I'm I'm familiar with. Yeah. Uh, And there's a few other characters that haven't really been introduced yet that are kind of his core group of friends. Yeah. There's also a few more witches we're going to get introduced to moving forward if they do end up following the storyline of the books. That is one thing I'm less sure that they're going to follow as closely, just where the way they've handled the idea of other witchers in the show so far, it seems less likely that we're going to get introduced to so many other witchers or even the witchers who trained them or anything like that. It's possible. I think that one's a little bit less likely to happen uh, going forward, just based on the way they've built it up in the show. Well, on that topic, though, uh, from what I understand, they've already uh, confirmed, I believe it's Vesemir. Yes. The guy who trained Geralt is going to be in the second season. But that could just as easily be more flashback or kind of stuff to show the role he played in getting... Like, the second season could very easily have a lot of story of showing Geralt's training as he's training uh, Ciri as well. Yeah. And then, uh, again, we'll end up having... I think the story will follow, at least in some structure the story of the book so the book story kind of goes in situation of train siri realize she's not really set up for the fighting aspect she's like more of a magic person that they need to control her powers yes they have to find yennefer to train her she ends up doing dimensional warping and uh gerald kind of has to like gather a team to go save her essentially 
the team has got quite the interesting setup because it's got uh, some witches in there. He's got a vampire, which hasn't come up yet in the series, but it's not just a regular vampire. He's a high vampire. And the thing that's interesting with these guys is they really can't die. They have to be killed specifically by another high vampire. Encountering a high vampire is probably the worst situation you can be in in the whole Witcher universe. Yeah. Huh, okay. So in that line where uh, later on in the storyline, the Asker ends up mentioning, oh, Geralt's friends with the dragon. He also says, he's also friends with a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is a high vampire who's kind of sworn off feeding on humans. Of course, he's a high vampire, so no one fucking trusts him. Mm. Uh, but he, he's a key character that is throughout the storyline moving forward as well. So a lot more fantastical elements get intertwined into the story of Geralt on okay. his quest, essentially. Because he ends up with these guys and Yennefer. Nilfgaard is the big antagonist of the yes. main storyline. That's something that I feel like, regardless of where they go, is going to not change. Yeah, no, Nilfgaard's almost definitely going to continue to be the antagonists going forward. They've built them up very well over season one to the point where they're going to be a huge threat in season two. A storyline I think they are going to follow, though, is <clears throat> tying back to the guard, who, or the soldier that was trying to take Siri away. Because in the storyline, uh, someone ends up joining Geralt's party uh, on the quest to save Siri is uh, a knight from Nilfgaard who just wants to help out. We end up finding out that he's the guard that took Siri at the beginning and was trying to take her away. But when he was taking her, he ended up feeling sorry for her and wanted to get her as far away from Nilfgaard as possible. Yeah, he was try- not trying to take her away to his leaders in Nilfgaard. He's trying to take her away from Nilfgaard to save her from the cause he had signed on And to this kind of matches up with what we saw in the episode, too, because the leaders of Nilfgaard were in the city. Why would he try to remove her from the city? Yeah, he was literally carrying her mm, out of the city. Right. She broke away, created a crevasse between them. It's like, no, the guy we saw who has been trying to capture was in the city. We already saw this. He was just trying to take her out of the city. It doesn't make a huge amount of sense. Unless it's this character. Yeah, he was fully going to do that, and then after he got her, he's like, well, you know, I feel kind of bad about this after killing that night guy and seeing her all (laughs) worried. Hmm. Now, the storyline eventually does end with... Sorry, but to be fair, they could easily cover something like that with, if they do reveal that the king or emperor of Nilfgaard is, in fact, her father, he could easily present the story to the members of Nilfgaard as she's essentially been taken hostage by Sintra, and they need to go save her. And then the moment this knight does come across her and sees how torn up she is by the knight who was with her dying, that could easily be his realization of she's not a hostage, she's a free person here. And we're the ones who are essentially coming to steal her way. So we the bad guys? It could have one of those moments of, our helmets look like evil birds and they're all black. Are we maybe the baddies We wear all black armor, we show up in masses without warning, and we take no prisoners. Ah, shit. We're the baddies. (laughs) Fuck. Uh, But I was saying, like, uh, the ending of the story is I feel like they probably will go pretty close to this, where the books end. Yes. Because uh, if, if I remember correctly, uh, it ends with <laughs> the king, or the emperor of Nilfgaard, has Ciri, and he has Yennefer and Geralt. And he's like, you're the only two that know that she's my daughter and what I need to do, so I'll give you, I'll make you this deal. If you kill yourselves, I will not harm your friends. I still get Ciri, though. And they're like, yeah, okay. And yeah. they're about to kill themselves, but then how... He is moved by how much they're willing to do to protect Siri and Siri's connection to them. That he ends up deciding, no, wait, I've changed my mind. And he lets them leave with Siri. And then uh, I believe Geralt is gone to a town and a riot breaks out. Yes. And he ends up getting stabbed, not by the big villain, by some random person on the street and is bleeding out and dying. Yennefer finds him and starts trying to save him and she uses so much power that she ends up dying. Okay. Well, okay, they're near death. 
And Siri used this moment to kind of transport them into another dimension that's kind of like not the afterlife. It's kind of like a limbo. Yeah. Where even though they're in a half-dying state, this will keep them alive long enough to heal, essentially. And she goes off on adventures. Now, I can't remember if this is part of the game or how the book actually ends, but the Wild Hunt shows up. I think, is that specifically the game? I think that one might be how the story in the books ends. I think them being on that... Them being in Purgatory, essentially, and the Wild Hunt. Yeah, and and I feel like that's something that ties back to, because the story is obviously not written from, you know, a Western perspective, a fairy tale, like it's a very Nordic story. Yeah. Nordic stories never end happy. No. Uh, It's like the two people who are protecting her all along are now incapacitated, and also the big bad that's bigger than the bad that they were worried about has finally showed up. The end! Yeah, so, uh, this might be more of the narrative that happens as the game starts, because the game of Witcher 1 takes place after this and has to explain it. What ends up happening in this little two-play? I'll explain it up to the beginning of the game, just in case. But the Wild Hunt shows up because they were able to track Ciri's powers. While here, they end up taking Yennefer, because the Wild Hunt is kind of like an undead force that marches across dimensions. Okay. And just kind of destroys everything. Think of it as like the Riders of Hell or something like that. But they take Yennefer, they're going to use her. So Geralt goes on a quest to save Yennefer, essentially. Ciri's not really involved with this. Because Ciri comes back and they're gone. She's like, what the fuck? Uh, but Geralt ends up getting three Witcher friends, and they go off to pretty much solo the Wild Hunt. They get to the end, and Geralt faces off against the big bad, the leader of the Wild Hunt, and is kind of defeated. But he says, take me instead of Yennefer. And he decides, yeah, sure, why not? So Yenna, uh, Geralt ends up becoming part of the Wild Hunt, and Yennefer kind of goes back with the Witcher people, because she's unconscious and near death, so they end up having to take care of her, so they leave with her, and then it ends with Geralt just being part of the Wild Hunt. Okay. To serve her sentence, for some reason. In case you haven't caught on, Matt, a lot of this uh, story is the big bad being like, this is what's going to happen. And then the good guys being like, yeah, sure. And then the opposite happens. And the good guys are like, this is what's going to happen. And the big bad's like, sure. All right, yeah, that works for me. There's a lot of people just kind of like passively agreeing to the plans of others. Yeah, surprisingly, a lot of situations with Geralt do end with talking. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, Geralt is a very level-headed man. He doesn't like to fight unless he absolutely has to. So I can see that happening. Yeah, and he gets a lot of benefit, I think, when he's dealing with humans specifically, because humans have so many lore and fiction about witchers that he kind of got used to his advantage like they're emotionless right it's not true though he has very much emotions he just doesn't show them very often which causes a lot of people to be a lot more frank in their dealings with him because they can't assume they can't play to his emotions yeah that's pretty Mm -hmm. much the book storyline of the witcher okay yeah very very out there compared to uh season one of the netflix series yeah and that's the thing like i feel like there's gonna be some things they will take out and put in there's a lot of comical aspects to the storyline that I'm not sure that will get put in specifically. Yeah, this the Netflix series is playing it a lot closer to its chest and acting a lot more straight out serious than kind of the wacky nature that gets into The Witcher a little bit later on. Yeah. yeah the whole premise of the story, if you want to boil it down to its basics, is there's the big political conflict between Nilfgaard and the Northern Alliance. And that's the core conflict that's going after the story. But in this huge war, it's... Uh, Geralt in his storyline of pretty much having a family. Yeah. Okay. 
And as saying, like, with the character of Yennefer, Yennefer becomes a much better character, I feel, by being in the relationship with Geralt, with Ciri, like, their family unit. She's an ass to him, and she dicks him over and uses him as a puppet multiple times. But she does have that growth that ends up kind of, like, she chills the fuck out quite a bit. Okay. I'm gonna have to wait to see that to believe it, though. Yeah, and I feel like that is a storyline they're definitely going to go down of her becoming a better person as the story goes on. Of course, she is very strongly motivated in her ways so she's not gonna you know have a thirst for power that thing's always kind of there but she's a little bit better on like the human side of things if that makes sense yeah so i think at that point we could probably agree we're now out of spoiler territory going forward i mean uh nothing else i can think of that would be worth talking about i mean we didn't touch on the games, but I feel like the games aren't going to be required for the Netflix series at all. No. I'd be surprised if, after they finish the storyline that would be with the books, they go into the games. Yeah, the games are just a whole other step beyond. I think it'd be weird if they went into the games as well. Yeah, and uh, even the author uh, disagrees with the games. Yeah. And he says, no, my story's good on its own. So, that being said, uh, welcome back. Those of you who decided to skip ahead to get past spoilers, uh, we promise we won't do any more spoilers. Other than yeah. Snape kills Dumbledore. Uh, there you go. That would be said. Let's just get that out of the way. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to talk about with regards to The Witcher? Not really that I can think of. You, yeah. Keith? Uh, the only other thing that we ever want to touch on would be the music. To be fair, there is some fucking phenomenal music in the show. Not even... So, first of all, yes. Toss a coin to your Witcher. Phenomenal. <laughs> Smash it immediately. But even just, like, the sound design and the, like, orchestral music that plays throughout this fucking show is phenomenal. There are very few moments where I notice the music, and noticing the music is usually a bad sign in something like this, because it's taking you away from the show. But when I do notice the music, it's always like, fuck, that's awesome, that's so good. Yeah, they, they definitely integrated it very well into the storyline that it doesn't take away, and it goes unnoticed, but that's kind of how you want it to be. Now, yeah. for me, the fact that I have a bit more of a musical background, I tend to notice the music more, so I'll tend to actually try to listen to the music because I'm watching also. And for me, the music fit perfectly to everything that was going on. There wasn't anything out of place. No. Yeah, as soon as I listened to it, I pretty much went straight into like my musical app and downloaded the soundtracks. Like, yep, I'm going to listen to this for a while. Yeah. So, is this what our podcast is going to be about? Probably not. Probably not. We only have the one season right now, and we pretty much covered that first season. And then there was a bunch of spoiler stuff that... I think uh, we've also covered seasons two through four as well. I mean, what is it? There's a total of seven books, five of which are numbered, and two are short stories that are unnumbered. And we've dubbed one and a half of the short stories, essentially, so far. Okay, so there's potentially a lot more Witcher coming to Netflix. Got it. Yeah, in the spoiler section, we did a very summed-down version of yeah. what happens in the five books. Very accelerated version of the story. Okay. And unluckily for me, I couldn't avoid those spoilers. So, uh, thanks, guys. <laughs> eh, it's still worth seeing it, because I'm sure they'll tell it differently. Than oh, yeah. Did. Yeah. But if there's nothing else to add, I'd say that's a good point to wrap up for today. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, right, sounds so, good. So, do we have any emails to mention or anything? Any messages, uh, comments? Like we received any emails or corrections, but, you know, that's with us being perfect. Is Standard. All. Yeah, it'd be weird if we got an email at this point, given how perfect we are. True. What is the email in case someone does want to contact us? Maybe remind us how perfect we are or something. I don't know. Our email is, as always, whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com. 
You can find us on Spotify and other podcast streaming sources. You can also find us on YouTube now. Check out our Instagram page and on any of our platforms. Uh, leave a comment, give a like, tell us how you'd like to, us to improve or give us any suggestions for any future content you'd like to hear. And uh, yeah, or you can just email us and tell, you, tell us how you're feeling. Of course. We'll and, listen. Uh, let's take a look back too because I, I just want to confirm we do on the instagram page of course put out a picture before we're recording to see if you can guess what our podcast is about no one got the last one so i'm very disappointed you all for not knowing that what that mishmash of random nonsense was <laughs> now i will say for this one no one has guessed it correctly as of yet but they still have time before we release the podcast so if you do manage to guess it before we release the podcast we will be sure to call you out when we're recording our podcast after this that's one. right we're not shouting you out, we're calling you out <laughs> yes you're getting a call out Live on air. Hey, we noticed what you did, and we're aware. So yeah, you can expect that call out two weeks from now when we release our next episode. Yeah, fortnightly. What's coming up in the next little bit, guys? Valentine's Day, from what I understand? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you got any plans, Matt? Uh, not really. Yeah, I guess we are still single. How about, how about you, Keith? You got any plans for Valentine's I, Day? I mean, I would normally make a joke here, but I gotta go fast and ruin my relationship. Okay. Sweet, sweet witcher dick. <laughs>